Welcome to The Endpoints, a podcast from the ALS Therapy Development Institute. I'm Emer, and I'm joined today by Dr. Steve Perrin, CEO at ALS TDI, and we're going to talk about a drug in the ALS clinical pipeline, AMX0035. The potential treatment is developed by Amelix Pharmaceuticals and is a combination of two compounds, sodium phenylbutyrate and TUDCA. The phase two trial, known as the Centaur trial, was a randomized placebo-controlled study to evaluate the safety and efficacy of the drug. It is currently fully enrolled, but there is an open-label extension arm for those who enrolled in the original study to assess the long-term safety of the drug. So Steve, can you tell us a little bit more about the trial design and how that's going? Yeah, so the trial design, the Centaur trial design, was actually a very well-designed phase two trial for the first time that this particular combination of drugs entered the clinic for ALS. It was 132 participants, placebo-controlled, a uh, 24-week study, which is a fairly lengthy study for a, a first shot at an ALS clinical trial. So well-designed. Um, as you mentioned, Deemer, the primary goals here were changes in ALS-FRS um, and, more importantly, safety, since this is the first time this combination of drugs has actually been in people. Um, and now we're into the open-label uh, extension phase of the trial, which will go on for about uh, 12 months. And can you give us a bit more background on the drug? These two compounds have been around for a while, so... What's some of the preclinical work on them? Yeah, they actually have been around for a while. Um, both sodium phenylbutyrate and TUCA have been uh, applied in multiple other different disease indications, have been used in multiple preclinical models, and, and actually have been in, in humans in a, in a couple of different diseases. So TUCA is actually a naturally occurring bile acid that's produced by the liver in small quantities, uh, so therefore obviously fairly safe. Um, and it's been shown in several different disease indications to mediate inflammatory responses, particularly in the gut and the liver. Um, so that's historically where it's been utilized as a supplement in the past. Uh, sodium phenylbutyrate is a small molecule, uh, so it's a pan-HDAC inhibitor. And HDACs are a very large family of enzymes that modify specific groups on your DNA called acetyl groups, which are primarily found on histones. Now, histones are groups of proteins that pack DNA in the nucleus of the cell into like chromatin structure so that you can fit all of that huge quantity of DNA in a very tight package. And by packaging it like that, it makes the DNA inaccessible for transcription, which makes the proteins in your cells uh, function. So HDAC inhibitors modify these enzymes so that they unpack the DNA, which allows many, many different genes to all of a sudden become transcriptionally active making new proteins that otherwise the cell might not make. Um, so that's basically what HDAC inhibitors do. There's a broad family, about five different broad families of HDACs. HDAC1 and HDAC2s are the biggest of the families, but there's over 20 known HDAC enzymes that modify your DNA. So the issue with a pan-HDAC inhibitor like sodium phenylbutyrate is that it modifies, modulates many of the activities of these HDACs and in some cases has shown unpredictable tolerability profiles because it changes the transcription of not one gene, but hundreds of genes. And pharmaceutical companies over the last 20 years have been trying to make what we call much more specific HDAC inhibitors so that they only hit one enzyme. And that has been a little bit challenging. But in this case, this is a pan-HDAC inhibitor. It hits many of the HDACs. Okay. 
And why have the company decided to put these two drugs together? Yeah, so that's a great question. There was probably three pieces of evidence that made them think that these things might be amenable to combining together into a combination therapy, if you will. So sodium phenylbutyrate has been described as a potential treatment for ALS for over 10 years. I think the first paper came out back in 2005. Uh, Bob Ferranti's lab showed that in, the, in a preclinical model of ALS, a rodent model, the ALS model, that treating these animals with sodium phenylbutyrate slowed down disease progression and improved survival. Unfortunately, many labs, including ALS TDI, were never able to replicate that work. Uh, in addition, because of that work, uh, a couple of clinical trials did test sodium phenylbutyrate in ALS patients, and these trials also failed to reach statistically significant endpoints. As far as Tutka, um, in 2016, an Italian group published a study with 34 ALS patients and reported a statistically significant slowing of disease progression as well as survival. I mean, it was a small study, only, only 34 subjects, but it was a 12-month study, so fairly long. Uh, it was fairly exciting data. The, the p-values were pretty good for that particular trial. Uh, and again, a, a good safety profile history here with Tutka. So, the third piece of evidence I think that really, you know, kind of linched this one together is that the company Amelix did a high throughput screen using motor neuron toxicity as an endpoint and screened thousands of compounds and they found that this particular combination of Tutka and sodium phenylbutyrate was the most neuroprotective combination in their high throughput motor neuron screen. So that I think is what resulted in them deciding to move into clinical trials. So they have completed enrollment of the phase two. The open label extension trial is still ongoing. What will happen next? So, so I think that they have a couple of options here, and I don't know that they've disclosed publicly what their plan is, but strategy one could be is that since the phase two placebo-controlled trial has ended, they can lock down their database, if you will, and actually report out the results of the 24-week study, uh, which would be really exciting to see if they reach their primary endpoints of changing disease progression. Uh, also, they had a pretty nifty... Uh, secondary endpoint in the trial, which was testing a new technology called Atlas on muscle function. So one option is that they lock their database and they report out the results of that, and we all hope that they see a positive benefit so that they continue with larger ALS studies. They could also decide to wait to the end of the open label study, which is probably another year from now. You know, people in the study, 130 or so folks, had the option to all go on drug with no placebo group and take this combination for the next 12 months which again is a great clinical trial designed to get additional safety data. You'll get additional statistical data on whether it's slowing down disease. They could wait and report everything out at the end of that, which unfortunately would you know, move that to probably 2020, end of, end of 2020, 2021. Um, so I'm not so sure which one they're going to do at this point, but either way, I think you know, hearing the results of this well-designed study could be really exciting to the ALS community. If they were to read out the original trial, and they didn't meet endpoints, would they continue with the open label trial? I would guess that they would continue with the open label trial probably because they already have drug available or else they wouldn't have had an open label extension. And it's also possible that in a short study, and 24 weeks is an incredibly short, but it's, it's short, they might not quite reach statistical significance in a 24-week trial. And by having that open label extension out for a much longer period of time, it, they would probably keep the study going. They might pause on another placebo-controlled phase 2B, phase 3 trial until the open label ends, but I would guess that they would keep the open label extension going just in case they, so that they can collect more data. 
Okay, well, we'll have to wait and see. Thank you very much, Steve, for all that great information. We'll leave it there. If you have any questions, you can email us at endpoints at als.net. Thanks, Steve, and thank you for listening. Thanks, Emer. Thanks.